The NFL Combine is in the books, and four former Notre Dame players had a chance to showcase their skills during the biggest job interview of their lives. Who improved their stock the most? Whose stock took a dip? All that and more coming up next on Locked On Irish. You are Locked On Irish, your daily podcast on the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up and welcome to Locked On Irish. It is Tuesday, March 7th, and thank you for making this your first listen today. The show is free and available wherever you get your podcasts, plus you can watch it on YouTube. Whether you're watching or listening, please subscribe to the show, and you can follow us on Twitter at Locked On Irish or on Instagram at Locked On Irish Pod. My name is Tyler Wojak, and I am the host. I've been a diehard Notre Dame fan for my entire life. I graduated from the university in 2018. I've been podcasting about the football team since 2020, and I'm also a producer for the college football talent at Fox Sports. In today's episode, we're going to look at the four former Notre Dame players who participated in this year's NFL Combine, which includes Michael Mayer, Isaiah Foskey, Jarrett Patterson, and Brandon Joseph, to evaluate how they performed and consider how it impacted their draft stock. Okay, so let's start on a positive note. Which Notre Dame player improved their stock the most of the combine? And for me, I think it's got to be Isaiah Foskey. So coming into the uh, combine, Isaiah Foskey was the eighth-rated defensive end on Mel Kuyper's big board. Dane Brugler from The Athletic had Foskey as his seventh-best edge prospect. And in total, it seemed like the aggregate draft projection for Isaiah Foskey was the second round. I believe NFL mock draft database uh, has him ranked as the number 46 overall prospect. And look, we as Notre Dame fans, we know about his production in college, right? Frosky is the all-time leader in sacks at Notre Dame with 26 and a half, plus he forced seven fumbles over the course of his last two seasons, recovered three. So at Notre Dame, who's an unbelievable player, but now going into the draft, that's a different, totally different ballgame, right? So it seemed like Frosky's reviews at the Senior Bowl, a little bit up and down. So going into the NFL Combine, this was a big opportunity for Frosky to make a splash, and I believe that he did. So he checked in officially at 6'5", 264 pounds, um, so not much variance between what he checked in at the Combine and what he was listed at as Notre Dame. I think he was just a pound heavier uh, on the official Notre Dame roster. But where he really shined was in the 40-yard dash in the broad jump because he ran a 4.5840, which places him in the 96th percentile among defensive ends of all time. And just think about it. Like, a 4.58 at 264 pounds is insanity. That's faster than Kyle Hamilton and what he ran last year, which was a 4.59. Larry Fitzgerald, one of the greatest wide receivers of all time, he ran the 40 in 4.63 seconds. So just really impressive work there by Foskey. He had a 10-foot, 5-inch broad jump, which was stellar, 96 percentile all-time again. His arm length came in at 34 inches, which is especially important for the in the case of Foskey because um, you look at all the scouting reports on him, it says that he relies heavily on that long arm rush attack. So having that large wingspan is critical for what he likes to do and then the counters that come off of that move. And, you know, this isn't really a surprise. Isaiah Foskey interviewed extremely well by all accounts. Foskey just seems like an awesome dude to be around and has a great personality. I loved him in that video before the season, the Shamrock Series uniform debut. Notre Dame, he, he was one of the most marketable players at Notre Dame and Notre Dame marketed him well. I think... Since Notre Dame doesn't do a traditional media day because they're not in a conference, um, when Marcus Freeman went on his little tour basically before the season, which acted as sort of like a de facto media day where he started going on TV shows for all the major sports networks and all that, he brought Foskey with him, which I think is is pretty telling about Foskey, his character, 
um, and his just ability to connect with people at all levels. So what does it mean for his draft stock? I'm not sure if he played his way into the very end of the first round, but he might be close. So as I was saying, he's looking at like 46 overall right now. The the good thing for Foskey is that he plays a position that is extremely valuable in the NFL. And guys at his position, the guys that are in front of him, like Will Anderson, Nolan Smith, they're going to fly off the board right away. So Foskey was never going to be, you know, a top 15 pick, but could he sneak into the end of the round? I don't know. We'll see. But he did improve his stock at least a little bit. So whether he's going mid-second round to either very early, it's still really impressive for him. And when it comes to his position, his measurables are so important at edge, right? Like, And Foskey checked all of those boxes. And what else is the combine other than an opportunity for guys to just check, check boxes? Because I think that's the main purpose of it all, right? Like if you're an NFL scout or you're an NFL GM, Really what you're looking for here with all these different drills and these measurements is does this guy fit the criteria that pretty much every player in the NFL who succeeds at their position has these metrics, right? And for Foskey, he has all of those metrics and then some. He's a great athlete. Physically, he's just large. He's long. He could do a bunch of different stuff. And he showed how impressive he is as an athlete. And his field work was also really good. It helped his cause as well. So I think he's got all the tools to succeed at the next level. We already know he's produced at a high level in college for multiple seasons. And if you're an NFL team thinking about taking Fossey, it seems like a really safe pick, right? And I know whenever a player's in these kind of situations, you hear about like, oh, like, these little things that come up about him as a way to, you know, negatively talk about him. In the case of Foskey, I think that there's some concern about his motor. Like, does he have the um, just burning desire to dominate his opponent on every single play? Like, I I mean, I can't speak for him. I don't know Foskey personally, but it seems like he's a very driven individual and that he's going to work really hard to succeed at the next level. But I get that point, right? Like, if you want an edge rusher, you want that dude to be – one speed go all the time, not think about anything else, and just dominate the man in front of you on every single play. Does Foskey have that killer instinct? Personally, I think he does. I know that was a concern for scouts in the draft. Hopefully, Foskey in his interviews was able to put some of that nonsense to the side. Uh, but we're going to see, right? Like, Foskey still has his pro day coming up at Notre Dame. He could, put on, he could put on even more of a show and then potentially put himself at the end of the first round. So, all in all, I think he proved he's an incredible athlete. He has produced enough at the college level that he's going to be a safe draft pick wherever he goes. And honestly, his best football might be ahead of him, which seems crazy. But like then again, at Notre Dame, he was especially his senior year. Like he's who offensive linemen were focused on. Got he saw some double teams, a lot of different stuff. So I think that at the next level, Isaiah Foskey is going to have a great chance to succeed, and he proved why over the weekend in Indianapolis. So. Isaiah Foskey was the big winner of the group of former Notre Dame players, but what does that mean for Michael Mayer, Jarrett Patterson, and Brandon Joseph? The answer coming up next on Locked On Irish. Before we get to that, though, I want to talk to you about Built Bar. If you're looking for a delicious treat but don't want all of the fat and calories, then you've got to try a Built Bar. We're all trying to eat a little healthier but don't always want to sacrifice taste with Built Healthy is actually tasty. Seriously, they're so delicious you won't think they're good for you. What makes Built Bar so good? Well, for starters, they're covered in 100% real chocolate and come in unbelievable flavors like churro, peanut butter brownie, coconut almond, cookies and cream, and so much more. 
These bars taste like candy, but only have 130 calories and 4 grams of sugar with a whopping 17 grams of protein. You can go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON15 and you'll get 15% off your next order. And by the way, you don't need to wait around to get a box either. Now you can get them at your local Walmart or Sam's Club. So head to your nearest Walmart or Sam's Club today, walk to the pharmacy section, and grab yourself a box of Built Bars. I promise you won't regret it. Okay, so now that we've covered Isaiah Foskey's impressive performance at the NFL Combine, let's look at the rest of the group. And I, I want to start this with Michael Mayer because coming into the Combine, he was the number one tight end prospect on Mel Kuyper's big board. Uh, Kuyper even has him as, as the uh, number 17 player overall, which is really impressive, especially for a tight end. Dane Brugler has him as the number one tight end prospect as well. Daniel Jeremiah is actually the only NFL draft analyst that I've seen right now who doesn't have Mayer as the number one tight end prospect in the class. He's got Mayer number 26 overall and the number three tight end behind Dalton Kincaid out of Utah and Darnell Washington from Georgia. So Notre Dame fans are certainly well-versed in bringing up Mayer's stats while he played at Notre Dame because we had to bring them up every time someone would try to make the completely incorrect claim that Brock Bowers, the tight end at Georgia, was in fact a better tight end than Mayer in college. And look, Bowers might be a better pro prospect when he comes out for the draft next year, but that wasn't the debate we were having. We were just saying that Mayer was a better college tight end than Brock Bowers and had the stats and the just you know pure tape to back that up. So it's worth revisiting, though, that as a true freshman, Michael Mayer started over a junior tight end in Tommy Tremble, who would go on to get drafted in the third round that fo- or after that season had ended. And not only that, he jumped a senior tight end in Brock Wright, who was a top recruit coming out of high school, and he's the starting tight end for the Detroit Lions and has had a really impressive NFL career so far, which credit to Brock Wright for, you know, what he's done as an undrafted free agent, what he's done for the Detroit Lions. I, I did not ever see that coming. He sat behind Cole Komet. He sat behind Michael Mayer, but he's had a really good NFL career so far. So congrats to him. But still, Michael Mayer, as a true freshman, started over two future NFL starters. That's, that's nuts. And that was in 2020. So over the course of the next three seasons, Mayer was the most reliable player, not only on the Notre Dame offense, but really the entire Notre Dame roster. He hauled in 18 touchdowns, which is the most for any tight end in school history at Tight end you. I don't care what any other school says. Iowa, I, you have no claim anywhere. Notre Dame is tight end you. He had 180, set, 180 receptions total for nearly 2,100 receiving yards, and he could produce from anywhere on the field. Like Tommy Reese would use Mayer in line uh, as an inline tight end. He'd use him in the slot. He'd use him split out wide, in motion, whatever, wherever he could be on the field. At one point or another, Michael Mayer probably lined up there, and I guarantee he had success there because I mean, we ran tunnel screens to a tight end. Like that was that was the Notre Dame offense uh, for the majority of the time that Mayer was at Notre Dame. And look, Mayer is a football player, right? Like he's at his best when he's in pads and playing live football, not at something like the Underwear Olympics, aka the NFL Combine. But I'm not saying this because he didn't perform well, because he did. I just don't think that he greatly improved his draft stock. He showed up, he took care of his business, and then he walked away just like he always does. But let's let's take a look at his combine numbers. All right, so he checked in at 6'4 and a half and 249 pounds, which is actually about 10 to 15 pounds lighter uh, than his playing weight at Notre Dame, which is probably a, a good thing for Mayer now that he's going to the NFL. And he ran a 4'7 flat 40-yard dash, which is tied for ninth among tight ends in this class. But 
I mean, Mayer was never really known for his breakaway speed. That's not his game. But his broad jump was about 9 feet 10 inches. That's pretty solid and shows uh, some of the explosiveness explosiveness, excuse me, he has in his lower body. And, you know, this might be the least surprising thing of all. Mayer killed it in the field drills and in the interviews. Okay, so he showed off his ability to change direction and run smooth routes because I guess there's been some concern about Mayer's ability to separate from defenders. But, like, he's such a physical receiver and so good at making contested catches that, personally, I'm not worried about that at all. Another thing, too, is when Mayer was at Notre Dame, especially his last season, he's dealing with double teams, sometimes triple teams. Like, a safety was constantly bracketing him in coverage. Like, he had to deal with always being the primary focus of whatever defense he was going against, which I don't think is common for most tight ends um, on any team, and especially not in the case of Darnell Washington at Georgia when he wasn't even the best tight end on his own roster. And now Dalton Kincaid at Utah, I mean, that guy is a stud, and it's kind of crazy what he's been able to do because he hasn't been playing football that long. So Mayer is still, I think, the majority of scouts and analysts would say he's still the number one tight end prospect, but this is what happens every year at the NFL Combine. Like, a couple guys go out there, they have insane metrics, insane measurables, and then these scouts and GMs almost forget about the tape. I mean, look what's happening with Anthony Richardson, right? Like, I understand that he's doing incredible stuff uh, at the Combine, his 40 time, his broad jump, his vertical, all of that was insane. He never had a completion percentage higher than 55%, and he might go number one overall. Again, that's a side note. Let's get back to Mayer here. He really just had to not screw up at the Combine, and he didn't, all right? There were reports out there that he was one of, if not the most impressive interview at the Combine. So did he shoot up draft boards? No, but he didn't really do anything to hurt his stock either. The only way I could see him not being the number one tight end prospect taken off the board is if he gets hurt between now and the draft or some team just talks himself into Kincaid or Washington because of their measurables and forget everything that Mayer has done over the past three seasons and and the career that he put together. Seriously, one of the best tight ends, if not the best tight end to ever play for Notre Dame and tight end you. So what, what else more can you say about Mayer? So let's look at Jared Patterson. Sort of a similar boat, right? Now, there was a point in time where Jarrett Patterson was, it looked like he could be a first-round pick. Like, back in 2020, he was a little bit younger, um, and Notre Dame has produced several first-round offensive linemen over the past decade. But unfortunately for Patterson, three significant injuries later, uh, it doesn't appear that that's the case anymore. It looks like he could be third, fourth-round kind of guy. He's been around for a long time. He's played at least one full season at two different positions on the line, which is extremely helpful for him and his draft stock because we know NFL coaches, GMs, they like an offensive lineman who could be versatile, and I think Patterson certainly is and showed that last year. So as for his measurements, uh, his composite size grade was great, but his speed and explosiveness were just good to okay. Like he checked in at 6'5 and an eighth and 306 pounds, which is like ideal for an NFL center. He was an above-average tester in the broad jump, vertical jump, and 10-yard split of his 40-time. He did not run a good 40-time. Who the hell cares, okay? He's an interior offensive lineman. How many plays in his entire career at Notre Dame did he have to run 40 yards downfield in a straight line? I bet you he could count them on one hand. Like, I feel awful for Andrew Voorhees, the lineman out of USC who tore his ACL while running at the 40th at Combine. I mean... That just totally stunts his career, and all for what, right? Like, we've got so many guys who sit out bowl games to preserve their draft stock and, and 
because they're afraid to get injured, which I, I get for the record. I understand why guys are making that decision. But then they show up at the combine, and these linemen specifically put themselves at great risk by running these 40s because if you're not accustomed to running that hard for that long, your body is much more prone to injury, and we've seen it more and more with these linemen running these 40s. So look, Patterson doesn't have a great 40. Uh, the rest of his measurables were, were pretty solid. But the biggest concern, I think, for Patterson coming into this weekend were his medicals. Uh, given his injury history at Notre Dame, he suffered the torn pec. He had the foot injury all of last season, then his injury in 2020. But it sounds like everything was good there. Um, it's difficult to really know for certain unless you're um, you know, in one of those front offices. I mean, the, remember when Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa fell out of the first round on draft day? because of a random heart issue that came up. Like, I don't remember hearing anyone talk about that in the pre-draft process, and then all of a sudden on draft day, he's he's somehow not picked in the first round because of this thing. And, you know, that hasn't hurt him at all with the Browns. Like, I'm a Browns fan. Uh, as much as that sucks uh, to say today and really for the past, I don't know, my entire life, really. But he's been great for the Browns. And uh, his rookie year, he was actually on track to become the defensive uh, rookie of the year that year, but then he suffered a, an ankle injury late in the year, kind of removed him con- from consideration there. But as it pertains to Patterson and Mayer, again, very safe draft picks. I think they've had the the production in college speaks for itself. And most importantly, like these guys were two of the best leaders on Notre Dame uh, throughout their entire time in college. So I think if you're an NFL team and you're you're thinking about p- drafting these guys, just do it. All right, like don't make the risk here of taking some guy because you fell in love with his measurables. Like, oh, wow, that lineman ran a great 40. It doesn't matter. Draft football players. Preserve your job. Draft Michael Mayer and Jarrett Patterson. All right, these guys are proven leaders, excellent football players, and a safe bet to succeed at the next level. So where does that leave Brandon Joseph? Unfortunately for him, his performance at the Combine might be the reason why he goes from a late-round fringe prospect to not hearing his name called at all during the NFL draft. And I'll tell you why coming up next. All right, let's talk about Brandon Joseph. A year ago at this time, there was a ton of hype surrounding Joseph and his fit at Notre Dame. I remember when he announced his decision to transfer from Northwestern to Notre Dame in early January, people were going nuts. I mean, we how many times did you see that video of him picking off Justin Fields in the Big Ten championship game? at least 100, and for good reason. That was an unbelievable play, and considering the fact that Notre Dame was losing Kyle Hamilton to the NFL, they needed a safety, and Joseph looked like a great replacement. And Joseph certainly took it upon himself to sort of uh, take on that idea of being Kyle Hamilton's heir apparent and, and becoming that top safety at Notre Dame. But unfortunately, that excitement never really came to fruition during his time at Notre Dame. He had career lows in tackles, interceptions, and passes deflected in his lone season at Notre Dame. In fairness to him, though, he did suffer an ankle injury. I believe it was in the lead-up to the Clemson game. That really hurt his production in November. He missed two games, and even when he did play, he just clearly wasn't at full strength. So that was that was unfortunate. And really, outside of his pick six against Syracuse, we never saw a glimpse of that exciting player we thought Notre Dame was getting. And, uh, I mean... That pick six against Syracuse, that might have been the easiest pick six of all time. That Syracuse quarterback threw it right in his chest on the first play of the game. Like, I honestly think you and I, listening to this, we could have potentially housed that too. But you take all that into consideration, and I really, I had no idea why Joseph decided to leave for the draft. But that's what he set out to do before the season started. I mean, he 
he was pretty clear when he got to Notre Dame that he only intended on staying there for one year. And I, I get that. And especially considering the hype around him coming in, it made sense. I mean, hell, I think I was seeing him on some first-team All-American or second team and, like, the preseason watches, all that. Like, he was all over the place. His name was everywhere. Really high expectations. And, again, it just, it just didn't work out in Notre Dame. And that happens, right? That happens all the time. Like, I get that. I'm not saying that, like, he was some colossal disappointment. It just wasn't what we had expected and what we had hoped for it to be uh, during his time at Notre Dame. So I figured maybe, you know, he could come back for one more year at Notre Dame. I know that's not what he wanted to do, but it's an opportunity for him to hopefully play a full year healthy, get back to being the player that we thought he was coming into Notre Dame. And it's not like he's got some younger safety at Notre Dame that's going to push him out for playing time. Like, he obviously would have started for Notre Dame next season. But look, I get it. Sometimes... These players, like, it, they're just done with the college thing. They're done playing college football. They want to go to the next level. I totally get that. I understand that for a lot of these guys, playing in the NFL is the dream, right? Like, we, and you probably, if you're listening to this, are more of a college football fan than NFL. But for the players, I mean, they want to get to the top, all right? And that's the NFL. So, whatever, Joseph decides to leave. But in doing so, it put a ton of pressure on him to have a really strong uh, pre-draft process, and he could have had a great op- or he had a great opportunity to get that going here at the NFL Combine, um, but it just it just wasn't a great day for Joseph. So let's look at it here. He ran a four point six two forty yard dash, which is you know not completely terrible, but all of his other testing numbers are below average too. So like an average forty time can be forgiven if you're awesome at the three cone drill, the shuttle and everything else, or you have crazy metrics. Like look at Kyle Hampton, right? Like I know that some people freaked out about his 40 time last year, which I admit I was a little bit surprised by how low it was, but then you look at everything else about Hamilton. You're like, okay, I'm willing to, you know, forgive the 40 time because he's so good at everything else. But like everything else Joseph did, it just, it, 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 it was all below average really at best. And I mean, he's not a huge dude. So I think he's six feet, and he just he just didn't do anything to help himself, right? Like, this needed to be a day where he came in, he lit it up, and then you're like, okay, this is the player we thought he was. He was injured his, his last year at Notre Dame, and, and you could sort of forgive all that, but it just, it just didn't happen. Then he goes to the field drills, and it got worse. Like, he had some drops. He wasn't locating the ball well. It just wasn't pretty. So he had all this pressure on him coming in to really perform well. And, he, again, even – even if he had a great day at the Combine, um, I still think he was looking at, if he is drafted, probably seventh round, maybe sixth. Uh, but, but after his performance at the Combine, I just I really, I really don't see a way that he gets drafted, which is unfortunate because, again, he could have come back to Notre Dame. He opted to, to enter his name in the NFL draft, and it really hasn't been going well for him so far. So really, all he can do now is focus on his pro day coming up at Notre Dame and uh, hopefully for him, a team gives him a fair shot as an undrafted free agent. I, again, I, I really don't see him getting drafted. None of the reports coming out of any of the analysts that I've seen would indicate that he's going to get drafted either. So, look, he's just got to focus. That doesn't mean he can't have a good NFL career. Plenty of guys have been undrafted and had been successful in the NFL. And uh, hopefully, in the case of Brandon Joseph, that will happen for him. But, uh, yeah, I just I really don't see it happening. But we'll see what happens to the pro day. He's got another opportunity there. So uh, there you have it for Notre Dame at the 2023 NFL Combine. It was a great day for Isaiah Foskey, a good day for Michael Mayer and Jarrett Patterson, and a bad day for Brandon Joseph. 
That's going to do it for me today. Thank you for making this your first listen. And please remember to subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts or on YouTube. And please give us a follow on Twitter at LockedOnIrish, on Instagram at LockedOnIrishPod, or my personal Twitter account at Tyler, W-O-J-C-I-A-K. For your second listen today, check out our brand new podcast, Locked On College Basketball. Experts Isaac Shade and Andy Patton bring you everything you need to know on and off the court. Plus, hear from big name experts, coaches, and players throughout the basketball landscape, all on Locked On College Basketball. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. I'll see you guys tomorrow.